1: harassed the nothing personal word of the day it's monday may 9th 2022 and the word of the day is harassed i'm referring there's so much that went on in the sports weekend so many stories we're going to get to basketball maybe some baseball i hope some horse racing some grand prix but we're going to start with the nba where the playoffs are in full swing we're in the second round right now and harassed is the word of the day which is the worst nightmare for adam silver who is the commissioner of basketball, that there be a show like this one where the lead is not about what's going on on the court. The top two stories about what's happening off the court. Yesterday in Dallas, Dallas, Texas. Yes, we all know the great state of Texas. Dallas, Texas. There was game four. Phoenix Suns, number one seed. Potential favorites to win the championship. Up to one in Dallas, The Mavericks beat him and tie the series at two. They've got one of the best players in basketball on their team, Luka Doncic. It is an exciting series. Everything's going great. When series are tied at two all, the commissioner's happy. The commissioner always roots for the team down two to one. So last night, the commissioner's rooting for the Sixers, rooting for the Mavericks yesterday during the day because you want seven game series. Hard stop. Okay, we know that. There was some kerfuffle going on behind the Phoenix Suns bench toward the end of the game, very confusing to me what was happening. And then you start seeing on Twitter, because that's what you do now when you're confused, you go to Twitter. Because that's how to end the land of confusion without calling Phil. And so I'm seeing some sort of, there's security, then Chris Paul's upset, then there's people leaving. It looks like they're being escorted out. Are they being, are they going out? Are they being forced out? What's happening? So then we put it all together and here's what exactly what happened. Apparently there were fans sitting behind the bench of the Phoenix Suns. Also sitting behind the bench were Chris Paul. Well, he was on the bench. His wife, his mother, and children. They were sitting in a road arena behind the bench of the road team, cheering on the road team, their son, their husband. And apparently, a member of the Dallas Mavericks fan base put his hands on Chris Paul's family. Now, that is the story that we're being told. You don't often hear those words, right? Put his hands on, does that mean when you're walking by the aisle, excuse me, and you sort of put your hand on someone's leg so you don't step on their feet when you're walking past them in a theater or in a game. Or when you're walking past someone at a bar and you put your hand lightly on the shoulder or the back saying, excuse me, and you slither behind or in front. Or when you put your hands up like you're being arrested but you're trying to pass through and there's a woman facing you so you put your hands up, squeeze through so you don't wanna ever have your hands on anybody face forward or was it a violent put your hands on like take your hands off me like when you put your hands you're grabbing someone's arm or you're grabbing their neck or you're touching their face get your hands off me is that what it was was it in your face heckling your husband sucks was it that with the hands gesticulating and then there was a brush of the hand on the body we don't know what we do know is that chris paul after the game tweeted out that you want to find players for saying stuff to the fans but the fans can put their hands on our families f that there is audio and video of chris paul looking at this mavericks fan who is wearing a mavericks jersey and saying i see you i'll see you i know where you are i see you Not exactly focused on the game. Do you blame them? One of the things that we do when we're on the road is that we make sure that the players know where their families are, where their girlfriends are, where they are in the ballpark. Because the players want to make eye contact after a home run or make eye contact when they're in the dugout. There's enough off time during the course of a baseball game, even when there shouldn't be as much, that the players have always known in every ballpark where the family section is. There's a family section for the home team and a family section for the road team, and they're not together. And actually there's two family sections, but one may not necessarily be family. So players always know where everybody is. We try to explain to the players before the game starts, here's where they are, don't have to worry about it, they're taken care of, here's where the entry is, because players don't want to be distracted by having to worry about family home games are actually easier believe it or not while it can be more tickets home games are easier because you can assign someone from your family who knows the home arena knows where to park knows how to get in they know the security guards it's just an easier experience for the home family when you're on the road and you've got your family you want to make sure they know where to go in when they're getting their tickets because they don't have ids they don't have badges they don't have anything they're just a fan we would let our security know where the family section was there were eyes on the security security had eyes on the family section we were always paying attention to what was happening and it is impossible to get it perfectly right because when you mix in alcohol when you mix in competition when you mix in idiocy when you mix in people who believe they're part of the story or that they're so jealous that they're not part of the story they want to be part of the story by being tangentially involved in the story. You can't stop everything. Very rarely are road players' families behind the visiting dugout. In this case, Chris Paul's family was right behind the visiting bench. There are pros and cons to being behind the visiting bench. For me, as a team president, the con is that's way too close for family to be. Like when I'm watching John Morant high-five his dad courtside, I don't love that. As a fan, I love it. As a president, I don't. Because I don't want that level of distraction. Think back to Little League, when little kids are playing baseball and they're looking over at their parents every time they swing through a ball. You've seen it at the ballpark, you've seen it. Well, believe it or not, professional athletes are the same. They're always trying to please their parents. And if there is immediate eye contact at all times, then there is that split second when you are not in the game. So family sections are never located that close, but it is possible. Chris Paul's family bought seats. They could have bought them in the aftermarket. They could have gotten special dispensation from Mark Cuban. There are all sorts of possibilities. Well, certainly Sarver's not going to games, the owner of the Sun, so maybe the owner's seats were that close, though in my experience, owner's seats are not one or two rows behind the visiting bench, unless you're Mark Cuban, in which case your ticket is on the bench, but that's another story. So having Chris Paul's family there was problematic, but that does not mean that Chris Paul's family should ever be subject to harassment. There is zero tolerance. The Dallas Mavericks had to release a statement immediately saying that the Dallas Mavericks are aware of an incident between a fan and the family of Chris Paul. It was unacceptable behavior and will not be tolerated. The Mavericks, along with American Airlines Center, swiftly removed the fan from today's game. Swiftly. It wasn't that swift, but let's just say it was as fast as they were made aware of the issue after the kerfuffle had started. And when they say the Dallas Mavericks are aware of the incident, that made me smile because the Dallas Mavericks play in the American Airlines Center. The American Airlines Center is run by a company that is not the Mavericks. Little known fact there, Normie. So gaining some separation, it's what it reminded me immediately when there was a stadium issue at pro player, I always would say, go GTS, baby. Hey. We don't control that. Hey, there's nothing we could do. Hey, we ran out of hot dogs. What can I tell you, man? I don't run the ballpark. We're just tenants. So it's interesting to me that the Mavericks would take that approach, whereas my approach is not only is it unacceptable, but we've identified, we have it all on camera, and we will be pressing charges to the fullest extent of the law because we need our players and visiting players and every fan in this arena to feel safe, at all times. You want to cheer, cheer. You want to heckle, heckle. Put your hands in your pockets. Chris Paul, family, harassed, unacceptable. He did get to play, though, as opposed to John Morant. He didn't get to play. He's not playing tonight. We got a problem in the NBA right now, and it's something that the owners are going to have to deal with. The problem is that the injuries that are taking place are as a result, not of overuse. They're not as a result of being out of shape. The players would have you believe that injuries are happening as a result of 1980s or 1990s style play. We did a segment last week, two weeks ago, don't remember when, maybe it was on this show. I think it was, Coca, where the players are playing like the Pistons, like the Knicks teams are understanding that defense is going to matter no points in the paint nobody gets a layup that's why you're seeing teams shoot 45 threes because they are clogging down in the lane and saying hey you want to beat us you're gonna have to beat us from deep John morant is a superstar he is a one of the faces of the national basketball association he has the entire package. He has personality. He has talent. When you combine those and desire to be the greatest and desire to be the face, that's a dream, right? That's the quadrifecta of what the NBA is looking for. And they're playing the Warriors in the second round. And if you have not been watching this series, then you missed three incredible games. The Golden State Warriors are likely the best team in basketball. Having watched every team now, for me, the Warriors and the Bucks are the two best teams, but watching the Warriors play with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson back from an injury, Andrew Wiggins in a perfect role for Andrew Wiggins, just everything about that team is amazing. And then there's this new guy, Jordan Poole, who is a small, sinewy rookie, maybe a second year, third year, but a young player. And he's giving you 25 points a game. He can drive to the hole and he can shoot the three. He plays defense. During the game two days ago, Poole is trapping. In basketball, that's when two players are trapping the ball. John Morant has the ball. You've got Poole and I think it was Wiggins. You've got them surrounding John Morant, trying to get him to turn the ball over, force him to call a timeout, force him to make a bad pass, do something. Jordan Poole puts his hand in, trying to touch the ball, ends up grabbing his knee. John Morant does something to his knee. Does it hyperextend? Does he rip his ligaments off? Is that That's what apparently Poole did. John Morant limps. They're down 17. They end up losing by 30. John Morant hurt out after the game. He sends out a tweet. Broke the code. That's when Adam Silver gets nervous. Gets on the phone calls up Jenkins, the coach of Memphis, and says, you gotta have him delete that tweet. This'll be now the second instance in this playoffs where we've talked about code. One of them was your very team. When you hurt Gary Payton, not the Supersonics and Heat champion, the son of Gary Payton, who now plays for the Golden State Warriors, who fractured his elbow on a very hard foul by a player named Dylan Brooks, who was suspended for a game for that hard foul, but, Peyton's elbow broken, out for the year. Or a month, whatever the case may be. After the game, Steve Kerr, the coach of the Warriors, said, you broke the code. The code is, stop a layup, don't hurt the player." Steve Kerr knows because he played against some of the teams where the code was broken every single game. Ask Bill Lambeer what a code is. Ask Charles Oakley what a code is. I only wish we could ask Anthony Mason what the code is. The bottom line is you do what you have to do to win. Period. You don't want to get fouled hard, pull up and shoot a three and shoot 30% and then don't get a ring. You want to drive to the basket, you're going to get hit. You don't want to be trapped, try a new game. So John Morant immediately deleted his tweet. And what's interesting about this entire situation is that the NBA, the headlines are about code and injuries and fines. The Philadelphia 76ers fined 50000 for not disclosing properly Joel Embiid's injury in a timely manner. Monty Williams fined for comments, Coach of the Suns, because the refs are so bad. People all over Twitter that the refs are losing control, that they're part of the story, that they don't know what they're doing. Giannis, the nicest guy in the world, and the best player in the world, he takes to the podium and says, I'm not going to talk about the refs because I want to buy diapers which made me smile. He makes enough money that he could pay the $20,000 fine and buy diapers for every kid in America. But my name is not Bernie, so Giannis doesn't have to do that. But Giannis is just that kind of person. I actually thought Giannis would take the stage and say, listen, my mommy taught me, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. And then stands up and walks out. So what do you do if you are Adam Silver in the NBA? How do you handle the stories that are out there and trying to get the narrative back on the court? The way the NBA is doing it is with swift action and then cutting the legs off the story. The story then grows legs like Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool because the next game there's a ref problem. The next game there's a harassment problem. The next game there's an injury problem. The way this ends is only with game sevens, with storylines. John Morant will not play tonight against the Golden State Warriors. The Memphis Grizzlies, however, are 20-5 and five when John Morant doesn't play. The Warriors are not going to have a letdown. And the Grizzlies are not going to give up. And Adam Silver is praying that both are correct. Okay. I had a quote I wanted to read you that Jordan Poole said, but I'm going to pass on it. He just said he was going for the ball. That's it claims he wasn't that type of player. I believe him, but it doesn't matter. And by the way, when you look at the tape, when Jordan Poole touches his knee, it's hard for me to imagine, unless he's got this superhuman strength, that he would do something to the knee. Although the Grizzlies have now said, we watched the tape, it was definitely that play. I'm not buying it at all. So those were the first two things I did this weekend, watched basketball, but I wasn't done. In addition to running a half marathon in the wind and the rain, because I was practicing self-flatulation is flatulation when you fart, Coca, do I have that wrong? What's it called, like when the guys in the church whip themselves in the back, like in the Da Vinci Code? Is it is it when you... I thought flatulate is what they did with uh, Eddie Murphy and all those characters in that movie, where they just sit around, Hercules, Hercules, and they're farting the whole time. Come on, Coca, help me out. Is it... It's what... Um, I don't know if it's priests. It is flatul- Flatulate? Oh, no, that is farting. What's the word, though, when you, when you hurt yourself? And I don't mean cutting yourself. I mean, like, when you whip yourself or when you're angry with yourself and you slap your or whatever. I'm moving on. So that's why I ran the half marathon in the wind and the rain, just because I was so angry about Boston a couple weeks ago that I couldn't finish that. But in any case, flat flagellate. Yes. Coca is in midweek form on a Monday morning you can understand my confusion. Flatulate versus flagellate, I could write a whole song about that. I sing the body electric. I celebrate the me yet to come. Have you ever seen Fame with Irene Cara? I sing the body electric is from, electric is from Fame, the TV show and the movie, both of which were amazing actually in it is the sister of bill cosby's wife on the cosby show ex-wife of ahmad rashad but i digress okay by the way married to norm nixon from winning time but then divorced okay that's enough So I also watched the Grand Prix yesterday. I thought 10 million people were watching the Grand Prix with me. Coca said, don't be ridiculous. There aren't even 2 million people who are watching the Grand Prix. And I said, don't be ridiculous. I'm taking the over. He said, you're taking the over 10? I said, no, I'm taking the over 2. So we're waiting to see the ratings of what happened in Miami. But did you watch the Grand Prix? If you didn't, let me sum up the Miami Grand Prix. Ready? Hold on. I'm going to take a breath. If you're watching this on Nothing Personal with David Sampson, I do not have my helmet on, but I should go get a helmet, right? Here's the summation. I'm going to take a drink of water, and I'm going to tell you everything you missed. Oh my God, please don't rain. Yes, come in this way. No, you're not allowed into that place. No, that water's not real. Yes, we actually do have boats, but they're obviously totally dry docked. Yes, that is where the celebrities are. Is that David Beckham? That's certainly David Beckham. I'm about to interview Patrick Mahomes. Oh my God, you're not Patrick Mahomes. You're much taller than Patrick Mahomes. Dwayne Wade, get out of my way. Max for stopping. you can't win. You're in the three hole and no one can pass because the track is a joke. Why is the track a joke? I can't even get a hot dog. What do you mean they hire local people? Shh. Don't make noise, the people Miami Gardens don't wanna hear it. A thousand dollars? A thousand dollars? A $15 Wagyu burger that's made of slop and crap? Vroom, vroom, I can't hear. What, what? Wait a minute, Norris crashed? Of course he crashed, there's 19 turns. Wait a minute, I cannot find my car. Don't worry, you parked a mile away, you'll miss traffic, I promise. Is this gonna be back here next year? I gotta buy tickets way in advance. Is there a secondary market? is there money being poured into the economy who's leading the grid who's on the grid what is the grid is there a championship point did I recognize you from Netflix wait is this being filmed right now are we on Netflix is this race happening live or are we just getting the summary the players were upset fans were upset I wasn't upset Everybody who went to the Grand Prix had a great time. It's Miami. It's the event capital of the world. If you don't enjoy going to Miami for something like a Super Bowl or something like the Grand Prix, then you're just not into it. I want to congratulate Stephen Ross and Tom Garfinkel, owner and president of the Dolphins. They got the Grand Prix, and they they did it. They made so much money yesterday. There is a report that Stephen Ross made more money by hosting the Grand Prix than he does in hosting a, the Dolphins for an entire season. And believe me, that's a lot of money. He got public subsidies for hosting the Grand Prix. I'm in. He deserves it because Miami was the epicenter of the racing world. It's like hosting the World Cup, but with 40 million fewer people watching. But close. It was the place to be. There were some issues. The players were very angry about the track. Very, very angry. There was a whole article in Motorsports Magazine. There were these players just complaining nonstop. The surface is a joke. On Sunday, the racing's going to be difficult. Drivers are going to make mistakes. Alonzo, one of the drivers, said the track surface was not F1 standards. Lando Norris said the track was not good enough, and then he crashed. Although he crashed because you ran into Pierre Gasly because Pierre Gasly didn't see him. I don't get, are they really looking at their rear view mirror and their side view mirrors? When I did NASCAR at Homestead, we had someone in our ear telling us, all right, you can pass now, go now, car coming up on the left. And they're always on the radio. Did you notice Christian Horner got interviewed the entire time? Where was Wolf from Mercedes? Christian Horner does like the media. I'm in, by the way. Think about what the media has done for Grand Prix. The next time you want to make fun of Liberty Media or the next time you're upset that Liberty Media doesn't know what they're doing, why don't you take a look at the world championship ring you have with Atlanta and then why don't you look at the fact that they smartly bought F1 and have basically quadrupled it in value and have grown it to a point that it is becoming maybe, maybe the second biggest sport in the world and America and Netflix have a lot to do with it. I think I'm gonna go to Vegas. Vegas is hosting a Grand Prix starting this year, or next year. My son turns 21 in 2024. How about celebrating his 21st birthday by going to a Grand Prix in Vegas? I guess if you're gonna go to the top of the mountain, you might as well start, right? And how about going to Miami next year? Start saving your nickels. One of the ways to afford a ticket, just like anytime you have pocket change, just put it in, put it in like the Grand Prix bucket. Anyway, that's it. Okay. Ooh! We didn't even talk about the Derby. All right, we gotta take a break. When we come back, we're gonna review a show that just finished. And we're gonna talk about a horse race, which Coca did not watch, Coca hates. And I didn't watch live either, but I certainly watched the video. We'll be right back, Coca. All right, insert the commercials right here. The 82 game preseason is in the books and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Fouette in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal, with David Sampson. Thanks for making it through the gauntlet of ads that's enriching the pockets of the central broadcast system network. One day, Coca, one day. Thank you for following, rating, reviewing, all the things that you do to keep Nothing Personal growing. It's May. I don't know why I said that. All right, I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning with a thought in my head. It was the final winning time. Do you ever get that when you know that a show's dropping, but you're watching other stuff, but you know you want to watch it because you want to review it, so you just wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning because you want to watch it and then review it? because you can't review episode four. If you're reviewing a show, you gotta watch the whole show. And if they only drop it once a week, which is a total pain in the ass, then you gotta wait the whole time. Well, we finally got the 10th week of Winning Time, the Adam McKay series. Let me explain a couple things about Winning Time. Number one, it is fictional, based on real events, but it is not a documentary. Now pay attention to the words I'm saying because tomorrow we're gonna review Bad Vegan, another documentary that may or may not be a documentary. This, Winning Time, is not a documentary, doesn't pretend to be a documentary. Jerry West believes that it's a documentary and is suing and trying to get HBO to apologize, which we've covered. The most real that it is, is that Norm Nixon, who we talked about, Norm Nixon's son, plays Norm Nixon. That's pretty cool. Winning Time is about the Los Angeles Lakers in their first championship year when they beat the 76ers in six games when Magic Johnson was a rookie and Larry Bird won Rookie of the Year. It begins to set the stage for how Pat Riley takes over, how the Lakers become Showtime, the success that they had throughout the 80s. The show is entertainment. If you wanna watch a documentary about the Lakers, then don't watch Winning Time. If you want to be entertained by really good actors, a really good script, really interesting way of telling a story for the purposes of telling a story, then watch Winning Time. If Jerry West thinks he's going to get enriched because of the way he was portrayed, he won't. If Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is upset with the way he's portrayed, he'll have to get over it. If Magic Johnson doesn't want cookies, seeing all of the sex that he had while with the Lakers and Michigan State prior to 1991, then don't watch Winning Time. But if you want to be entertained for 57 minutes 10 times, I can think of several things I'd like to do for 57 minutes 10 times, one of which is Winning Time, not the only of which, of course. Take two minutes out of your day, two minutes, and watch the Derby. The Kentucky Derby is a horse race, the first leg of the Triple Crown. The way the odds work, do you know how horse racing odds work? They're based on the action, right? So if someone, every horse is one-to-one, and then, let me, let me start the other way. Every horse is 100 to one, and then if someone bets on somebody, then the odds can move to four to one, although they open odds with who they think is gonna be the favorite, and they'll open it at five to two, and then if no money goes on it, they'll move to six to two or seven to two, and if money goes on a horse that's 10 to one, they'll move it to eight to one or seven to one, so the odds are always moving according to the money that's being bet on a particular horse. When you buy a horse, that is the equivalent to reaching your hand into your pocket. You whip out a crisp Benjamin Franklin. You get out the lighter that you use that you to light your pipe. And I don't mean the Spencer Haywood crack pipe. I'm talking about the bong pipe. You take that lighter, whoosh, you hold the Benjamin, and you watch it burn right in front of you until it becomes embers, useless, then, you get another Benjamin and light it on fire. The number of people who make money owning horses is equivalent to the number of people who made money owning GameStop. It happens, just not often, and it can't be counted on. But all you hear and see are those in the jockey club in the winner's circle with their hats on and their ties on, looking at their winning ticket and smiling at the five-foot-two jockey. Because they just won $1.8 million with a horse that they bought for 30 G. Yes, the name of the horse is Rich Strike. Yeah, they did strike it, Rich. 30 grand, they bought some horse. The way you make money with horses, really, if you're lucky, you win a race but you make money by having that horse have sex with other horses and then charging the owners of the horses to have other horses and then giving the baby horses away and saying, hey, this baby is the bloodline. And when you win the Kentucky Derby, you're just beginning that great story because when you are a male horse, which I think is called a mare, but I could be wrong, Coca, the real money comes from siring, because you get to then say, hey, hey look at me and they don't do it like in a cup like you bring the horse over and there's a thing that happens horse sex and then a horse results and then somebody has the horse oh a male's a stallion is a female a mare thank you coca i guess that makes sense black stallion it's a good book i didn't cry is that the one where the where the uh animal dies at the end i can't keep my animal story straight i don't think that was maybe that was bambi Does Bambi die at the end? Anyway, watch the horse race, but just know that if you're thinking of buying a horse or you're thinking of being jealous of owners, the overwhelming majority are absolutely getting crushed. Speaking of not getting crushed, nothing personal pick of the day. We had the Mavs even over the Suns on Friday, winner. We had the Bucks three over the Celtics on Saturday, winner. We had Max for stopping. Winning the Miami Grand Prix, even though he didn't get pole position, we predicted he'd win, and then he didn't get pole position, which is important to winning, and he still managed to pass Leclerc. Pepe Leclerc. And Verstappen one. So I'd like to say I was undefeated this weekend, except for the fact the Bucks won by two and not three. Therefore, I lost Saturday. The thing about a bad beat is that it hurts. And the reason it hurts is that when your team is up 14, you think it's in the bag. I can turn it off. I can go watch a different movie or something else on my iPad under private browsing. Or I can watch the lead slip away. Marcus Smart get fouled, make the first, miss the second, then not get the tip-in, which was my only hope to cover. So I'm rooting for the tip-in to go to overtime so the Bucs can cover, even though I'm a Bucks fan, which by the way, weighed me huh. 469. Which by the way, rooting for a tip in by Horford to go to overtime so the Bucks can cover when in fact I'm a Bucks fan and want the Bucs to just win makes me think to myself, hmm, maybe I ought to close the app. Bucks are going for a commanding 3 1 lead tonight. But that's not my pick of the day. Did you watch the San Diego Padres last night? San Diego Padres were down two nothing. Their offense has been horrific. Eric Hosmer's been decent. Machado's been MVP-like. Tatis Jr. has had the best season of his career. If you have not watched Tatis play this year, then you are not paying attention. He's getting eight at-bats a game. He's getting on base at a 900 clip. He had 69 home runs already. It's been a month and 120 RBI incredible that the Padres offense in general is mediocre, but they're hanging in there in a very tough NL West division. In comes the Miami Marlins, coming off a sweep at the hands of the Padres division rival, if you can call the Diamondbacks a division rival. The the Marlins sort of limp into San Diego. I think they were a pick of the day, their first game there. They have a two-nothing lead over the Padres, Bob in the ninth, and then Jorge Alfaro, the catcher for the Padres, who got to the Padres from the Marlins. He was the Marlins catcher. They got him from the Phillies for JT Realmuto, among other people. Alfaro hit a walk-off three-run home run off a newly acquired bullpen arm for the fish. That kind of win is major. Jorge Alfaro on Mother's Day, Mother's Day was my favorite day because the players wore pink bats and they would sign bats to breast cancer survivors and the catchers would have pink equipment and you'd get pink undershirts. Henderson Alvarez, Coca, I have Henderson Alvarez's pink Mother's Day sunglasses. They're actually 10 feet away from me right now if I know where they are and I think I do. So Mother's Day is always players love their mothers, who shouldn't, you gotta love your mother, it's your mother, right? You have to, like if you didn't call your mother on Mother's Day, then what is your problem? Because one day you won't be able to call your mother on Mother's Day. And by the way, if you feel guilty that you're not a good enough son, or that you're not good enough to the mother of your kids, then you've got one day to make it up. It's sort of like Mother's Day to me is yum kipper. It's the day of atonement where you do everything right, which is supposed to make up for everything wrong you've ever done. And then you get a clean slate so you can do everything wrong until next Mother's Day. Jorge Alfaro Alfaro sent his mom flowers and said, (laughs) the mother said to him, you know you're gonna hit a home run for me today. And Alfaro said, "Ah, I doubt it because he really is not a very good hitter, but he did. It's pretty cool. So today, the Padres have to recover from that, and I wanted to give you an indication of what happens after you hit an emotional walk-off hit like that. When you are a good team who is playing in a rut and your offense is struggling, but you have not lost sight of the division lead, and you get a comeback win and walk off a team, that carries into the next series. And what you hope for as an executive is that the next series is against a crappy team. So you can keep that momentum going, and then you can say, look, we've got ourselves a run. Because that's what you want, sort of in the middle of May. Well, the Padres get to play the Cubs. I'm sorry for folks on the north side, but are you aware of how bad your team is? Are you aware that we're making fun of the Reds and leading off nothing personals with the Reds, and the Cubs and the Reds really have similar records? Yeah. You think Theo didn't know what he was doing when he bailed? Like his house was on fire? Padres over the Cubs. It's a slam dunk tonight. There will not be a letdown. That's the pick of the day. Okay, I want to follow up on two stories. One, we told you about a story last week about the umpire, whose name I got wrong, of course, but the umpire who had a staring contest with Baumgartner And I told you that the umpire had a problem. The umpire was going to face discipline. I've not read what the discipline is. I still believe that to be the case. But what did happen today, or yesterday, whichever, whatever, the umpire made an apology. And I sort of smiled at the apology. I just wanted to read it to you. I would like to address my actions on May 4th involving Madison Baumgartner. When I began my MLB career almost 15 years ago, I received some good advice. I was told to umpire every game as if, he meant as though, but as if, my children were sitting in the front row. I fell short of those expectations this week. While I can't go back and change what happened, I take full accountability. I will learn from this incident, and I sincerely apologize. What are you going to learn? Not to look lovingly in a player's eyes while rubbing his hands and asking what they're doing for dinner tonight? Your children in the front row means that you're going to call a better game, be a better umpire, be a better man, be a different man? Hmm. I think the best type of person is the person who doesn't need to envision his children in the first row, who doesn't need to think, hey, everything you say could be tomorrow's headline, who doesn't need to think before tweeting and then look back and say, wow, I probably shouldn't have said that racist thing when I'm the weatherman in Memphis. I think the best kind of person doesn't have to go through that exercise because they know the difference between right and wrong. They've got the moral compass headed in the right direction. It makes choosing much easier when you're choosing between something good and something great. When you're choosing between evil and good, that's where the excitement comes. That's where the separation comes, right? The only way people can do wrong is if they're capable of doing wrong and it occurs to them to do wrong. Coke and I spent time pre-show talking about this concept where there are people who may not be aware because they want to be first on social media. So they may not be aware of what they're doing. They may not take a minute to think. Just get Twitter Blue, you get a minute to think. It's not that expensive. You know what, if Elon Musk buys Twitter, I'd like Twitter Blue to be free. I'm just throwing it out there. Though I still think it's worth the $3.99 a month. So all of the things this umpire is saying, he shouldn't have to say. All the things that that umpire is doing, he should not have to do. You think his union didn't make him apologize? You think the league didn't make him apologize? You think he wrote that apology? You know better. You watch Nothing Personal. When are people going to stop complaining about their balls? I'm just curious, right? At some point, don't you just say, hey, it sort of is what it is, right? I can't I can't make them bigger. I can't make them smaller. I can't make them feel different. I mean, you can try all sorts of different things. But at some point, don't you just swallow and say, it is what it is? Well, yesterday, something terrible happened. There was a interview given, not to a manager or an owner or a president or a player, to a hitting coach the hitting coach for the Mets was talking about balls and he said something that is extremely controversial and that will get the attention of Rob Manford, Dan Hallam, and Michael Hill alleging that Major League Baseball following up on what his player Pete Alonso said last year let me remind you when Pete Alonso said hey baseball they've got this Machiavellian thing down. When there are free agents who are pitchers, guess what they do? They make the ball alive, so there's home runs. When there's free agents who are hitters, they deaden the ball, so players can hit home runs. Of course, MLB denied that, and I told you that's absolutely not the case. I explained to you the two different sets of balls that were being used, the extra balls that existed because of COVID. I explained to you how balls are made. I agree that MLB owning the ball maker is not ideal, but it is all within the letter of the description. Now, we've ratcheted it up just a tad. The allegation, it's hard to say with a straight face, but here it is. The allegation is that on nationally televised games, MLB is using different balls. I just want you to focus on that, okay? Just for one second. That MLB talks to the equipment manager and says, hey, we got a uh, Sunday night game. So, we're sending you a different batch of balls this batch of balls is going to create some excitement or not how many times do i have to explain to all of you that the equipment manager gets the balls before the season they are put in a humidor or before humidors they are put in a storage closet they are allocated they are budgeted we split them up by homestand then we break them out by series then we break them out by game The equipment manager is never told which balls to use for a game by his president, by his GM, by his players, by baseball. Nobody. The balls get rubbed before a game because you have to rub the balls. Otherwise, they'd be too white. So you rub them with dirt, and then they go into a ball bag, and the ball bag is what is used by the ball boy to give the balls to the umpire so he can put game balls in his pocket. The only time there are special balls used is when there are momentous achievements and that's done for authentication purposes. So for example, when Miguel Cabrera is going for his 3,000th hit or Ichiro for his 3,000th hit, there are actual numbered balls that are brought to the umpire to be used, but they are prepared in the same exact way by the equipment manager, sent by baseball to the equipment manager. David, if you can send specialized balls to the equipment manager during the course of a season why would you think that it's unreasonable to believe that they would do that for a nationally televised game and the answer is the players the players know exactly what the balls are doing just like we know what the sound of the ball is off the bat and what that ball should be doing and when it doesn't do it then we know that it's a different kind of ball and then we adjust to that The people who run Major League Baseball know very well that there's focus on these balls. Having spoken to people within the commissioner's office, which I still can, I had that recurring dream again last night, Coca. I've been having recurring dreams since 2017. And the recurring dream, this is a detour, I'm sorry, but the recurring dream is that I am still the president of the Marlins, but I can't get into a meeting where my past doesn't work. I mean, you don't need to be Freud to figure this out, or I'm locked out. Last night, I had a dream that I was invited back, not as president of the Marlins, but invited back to be a guest at an owner's meeting. And everybody, I was, I knew everybody there. And there was Bob Dupay, the former president of baseball, who was let go also. He was there back as president of baseball. And he was saying, look, it's always possible to get back into the room. And I said, but I'm not really in the room, I'm just a guest. And I said, I'm not really comfortable being a guest because it feels good to be in the room, but I don't belong in the room, so I left the room before doing what I was supposed to do and then got in trouble for not giving the speech that I've been paid to give in the room. So all the dreams that I'm having are all sort of related to that. They're recurring, it's not every night, but it's more than I'd like to admit. Obviously Freud, if he were here, he would say, David, you're not over it. It was such a big part of your life that obviously you still think about it. Um, Yeah, okay, I admit it. I miss it, especially when I'm watching games or I'm watching people win World Series or I'm watching Miguel Cabrera get a 3,000th hit. I miss it. There, I said it. Don't worry, folks, I'm not leaving nothing personal. I actually love doing this better than running a baseball team, but it doesn't mean I don't miss running a baseball team because in life... There are new challenges. There are new doors that get opened. And if you don't answer the door, guess what? You're stuck in the same damn room your whole life. And you don't get the tummy ache. You don't get the feeling of discomfort that we all crave or that we're all scared of. Go do something new today. Do something you've never done. See if you can get new balls to be in play. You never know. Thank you. Mondays are tough, aren't they? We we got through it. We're going to do it again tomorrow. Will you? It's just business. This is nothing personal.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.